0: Liberty, a lot of things going on. Um, even, you know, just kind of driving in, you may notice we've got, we've got a new sign out by the road. New, uh, it, it looks especially good at night um, when it's lit up in the back there. And then uh, you'll see we, we, we were putting in a sprinkler system kind of around the edge of the parking lot there. We want to keep our property looking sharp and, and keep things dressed up. So there's a lot going on around here. I'm thankful for the deacons um, especially who just keep that stuff happening. Um, you know that I'm not good at that sort of thing, and they are good at that sort of thing. So I'm thankful for how God has gifted uh, uh, the deacons here at Liberty. I know you've been standing up, sitting down, standing up, sitting down. Let me ask you to stand one more time as we read from God's Word. Um, I told my wife last night, I love preaching through Exodus. This series has been so exciting for me. I hope you're enjoying it as well. Exodus chapter 3. This morning, and we're going to start in verse 10. I'm just going to read five verses here this morning. I technically guess it's six. Verses 10 through 15. Come, God says to Moses, come, I will send you, Moses, to Pharaoh, that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, who, who am I? Who am I that, that I should Go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt. God said, but I will be with you. This shall be a sign that I've sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. You remember what mountain that was? Mount Sinai. Mm Mm-hmm. Then Moses said to God, if I come to the people of Israel and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, what's his name? What shall I say to them? Verse 14 is one of the most important and significant verses in the entire Bible. it's It's a John 3, 16 kind of verse. Verse 14 says this, God said to Moses, I am who I am. He said, say this to the people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, say this to the people of Israel, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever, and thus I am to be remembered throughout all generations. Father, please use your word powerfully in our hearts this morning. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Thanks. You can be seated. Who knows my very favorite movie, movies. It's, not, it's, it's actually not my favorite, and I'm not going to do the Batman voice again this week. Born. I knew Lydia knew it. Yeah, Jason Bourne, the Born trilogy. Um, I, and I know I use our reference movies often because they are the stories of our world. That's, I mean, they're stories that we relate to. They're stories we're familiar with. Um, In fact, preparing for this sermon made me want to go and watch the series um, all over again. So this afternoon, if you can't get a hold of me, um, I'm I'm having a Jason Bourne uh, trilogy saga fest. The very first scene in the very first movie opens up how? Jason Bourne floating in the ocean, dark, thundery, lightning kind of night. Uh, they dig him up out of the ocean on a fishing ship, and, and Jason Bourne doesn't know where he came from, why he's there, what went wrong, how to fix it, or where he's going. Do those questions sound familiar? If you've been a part of our Sunday school, our Worldview Sunday school, you know those, those are the most important fundamental questions in the world. Where did I come from? Why am I here? What went wrong? How can we fix it? And where am I going? Right? Th- those are the big questions that every person faces. And here, J- Jason Bourne is dug out of the ocean on a fishing vessel, and he doesn't know Where he came from, why he's there, what went wrong, how to fix it, or where he's going. If you haven't seen the movies, don't bother. Um, Most fundamentally, he's asking the question, who am I? Who am I? And friends, this is a question that every single person throughout the course of human history not only does ask about themselves, but must ask about themselves. And the answer to the question, the way they come to the conclusion, is the most important question about them. Who am I? Who am I? So that's the title of the sermon this morning is this, who am I? Who am I? You may remember in verse uh, 11 of the passage that we looked at this morning, Moses says to God, Who am I? And here's the main point this morning. The main point is this. God tells us who we are when he tells us who he is. God tells us who we are when he tells us who he is. So for a moment, think about you. Think about who who you are. And, and you may not realize this now. I hope, as we walk through the sermon this morning, that you may gain some clarity here. But a lot of your life, you've spent trying to answer that question: Who am I? What am I here for? What am I doing? Why has God put me here? And a lot of the work you do, and the self, uh, th- the way you project yourself to the people around you, and the image you want people to know you by, and the way that you project yourself on social media—that a lot of that is your attempt at answering that question, who am I, who am I? Moses wants to know who he is. You and I want to know who we are. Jason Bourne wants to know who he is. And the way that we come to find out who we actually are is when God tells us who he is. We're gonna look at three things from this passage this morning. First, we're going to see that Moses wants to know who he is. Secondly, we're going to see that God wants Moses to know Who He is. And then thirdly, we're going to see that Jesus wants us to know who He is. Moses wants to know who He is. God wants Moses to know who He is. And Jesus wants us to know who He is. And all three of those things are crystal clear right here in good old Exodus chapter 3. Who'd have thunk that we'd find so much incredibly good stuff right here in Exodus chapter 3. First of all, God wants Moses to know who, or excuse me, Moses wants to know who he is. Point number one, Moses wants to know who he is. And we've, we've in the first three chapters of the book of Exodus, we've, gone a, we've done a kind of a fast forward in Moses's life. We've gone, we've gone 80 years in the life of Moses in these first two chapters, and the rest of the book of Exodus is going to be the last 40 years of his life. So we've gone fast forward to this point, and now we're going to kind of hit, you know, like we've been Pushing fast forward on the video, and now we let go. And now we've let go, and the rest of the book of Exodus is going to work itself out now in real time. And here in chapter 3, verse 10, we find Moses, and he is uh, going to have an experience that we have known about. If you've grown up in church, you remember the flannel graph version of Moses and the burning bush, right? Now, you know, we, those of us who grew up with flannel graph there was, there was always one guy with a beard, and he was Abraham, and he was Moses. And, he, and, if, and if the teacher couldn't find Jesus, he was Jesus. Like, I mean, there was one person. But then there was other things that got moved in and out with the flannel graph. And if you don't know what flannel graph is, you missed a, a wonderful part of, of um, Christian history. It, it will be an artifact someday. They'll be like, what were these things? How do we explain what this thing was? Um, yeah, now our kids watch videos that used to be flannel graphs. Um, I think I actually think we have a full flannel graph set here at Liberty Baptist Church, which I'm, I'm very proud of. Um, they're, they're, they're fun. Um, sorry, that was not in my notes, the flannel graph part. Verse 10, come. God, the God of the universe, is talking to Moses at this burning bush experience. And he says to Moses, come, I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt verse 11, but Moses said to God, who am I? Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? Now, you remember why Moses ran off into Midian, right? You remember why Moses ran off into Midian when he left Egypt? He had seen one of the Egyptian taskmasters beating one of his fellow Israelite brothers, and he thought, I'm going to deliver my people from the hand of Egypt. I'm going to deliver that brother from the hand of that Egyptian. I'm going to be the superhero in this, in this moment. And so he looks to the right, he looks to the left, he kills the Egyptian, buries him in the sand. The next day he finds out, oh no, people know about this, and he runs, he takes off, and he goes off into the land of Midian. So here was a young man powerful, proud, strong, arrogant man who thought, I'm going to deliver the, e- the Israelites from the Egyptians. And now 40 years later, when God s- comes to him and says, you're going to deliver my people from the hand of the Egyptians, Moses is 180 degrees facing the opposite direction now. Whereas he wanted to take things power in his own hand and deliver the people of Israel. Now he's saying, who, who am I? Who am I to deliver your people from the hand of of the Egyptians. Interesting that God took Moses into 40 years of wilderness wandering to actually get Moses where Moses should have been in the first place. He should have been a humble servant of the Lord from day one. And God took 40 years. I'm barely older than that. God took 40 years of Moses' life to get him to the place where now when God comes to Moses and said, I'm ready to use you, and Moses goes, ah, I'm, not, I'm not so sure about this. And in, in this call of, upon Moses' life, Moses is asking a question. He's asking a, a sincere question. He's asking a real question. He wants to know who he is. Who, who am I to be considered for this task? And like we talked about earlier everyone wants to know who who they are who am i why am i here what am i supposed to do and where am i going and friend that is an important question for you to ask in fact some of us don't like quietness we don't like loneliness we don't like to slow down because then we're faced very much with the reality of that question we don't like thinking through who am i why am i here and what am i doing and if we can just go hard enough and just go fast enough and just keep the pedal to the metal long enough. I don't have to deal with the reality of that question. But at some point or another, it catches up with each of us, and we have to answer that. We have to come to a place where we, we want to answer that question. And those of us who don't look to God for the answer, those who don't look to God for the answer, have to look where? In the world around them or, or in themselves to try to answer the question, Who I am? And the answers that you get to those questions from those other sources are always going to lead you, always going to lead you in the wrong direction. You're either going to look at yourself and the world around you and think, I'm no one, I'm nothing, I'm a nobody, everyone is better than me, everyone is, right, and and there's going to become this spiral into despair, or and maybe worse, you think, oh, I am somebody. I mean, look at me. I'm smarter than the people around me. I've handled my business better than the people around me. I'm a self-made man. I came from here, and now look at me here, and I'll tell you who I am. You want to know who I am? Let's sit down for dinner, and hopefully that's long enough for me to tell you who I am. And both answers are absolutely foolish and wrong. But many people live their lives answering the question based on their own assumption of who they are. They just kind of come up with their own answers. Moses wants to know where he came from, why he's here, what went wrong, how can, can it be fixed, and where is he going? Or more specifically, in this moment, he realizes that God has a call on his life, and he's realizing, he's asking the question, Well, God, who, who am I to do what you've called me to do? Brings us to point number two. We're going to spend most of our time of the sermon here in point number two, you might, you might be like, man, Jeremy got through point one pretty quick, point two, point three, good. We're gonna get out of, no, no, don't don't, don't, don't get yourself worked up like that. Number two, God wants Moses to know who he, who he is. And when I say God wants Moses to know who he is, what I mean by that is God wants Moses to know who God is. I don't mean God wants Moses to know who Moses is. God wants Moses to know who God is, and when Moses knows who God is, Moses will know who Moses is. That sounded complicated to me. God wants Moses to know who God is. Look how God answers what I think is a genuine question that Moses asks Who am I that I should do this thing? God answers the question. He says, I will be with you. This will be a sign for you. you. When you brought the people up out of Egypt, you'll serve God on this mountain. And then Moses asks a follow-up question. Yeah, God, but if I come to the people of Israel and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask, what is his name, what shall I say to them? And then verse 14, God says to Moses, I am Who I am. It's interesting that Moses, when God tells Moses to go and tell the people of Israel um, uh, that God has sent them, that Moses has to say, "But yeah, who am I supposed to tell them you are?" And brothers and sisters, I, I actually do believe that part of the reason what Moses is doing here is he realizes that the people of God have been in a worldly, godless country in a worldly, godless environment for so long that they have actually forgotten who the real God who has really um, uh, uh, chosen a people and set his, uh, his covenant love and affection on this people in order to have relationship with them. They've been, they've been in the world so long that they don't really know who God is. And brothers and sisters, don't you begin to think that we are above or beyond that we know there's a God, and we even know about Him, and we know Jesus, but friends, let's, let's be careful that we haven't been in a godless world for so long that we, we think we know God when we, we don't really know God. We just kind of have a form of, yeah, I'm a Christian kind of person. It's one of my, one of my greatest fears for us in, in, the, in the time in history and the place that we live in, the Bible Belt kind of culture that we live in, is that many people would profess to be followers of Christ who don't follow Christ. Do you know how you would know that you're a follower of Christ? Do, do you follow Christ, right? Um, I, I cannot claim to be a Texas Tech fan. Do you know why I don't follow Texas Tech? At all, some of you are saying, "Amen, amen." Nor should you. Um, uh, I, I, I can't name for you any of their coaches on any of their teams. I can't name for you any of the players. I have no idea how they've done in recent months, uh, recent years. I, I, I'm not. I'm not. A, and if I told you now, Miss Elwin is a Texas Tech fan. And and if you sat she and I down, it would quickly become apparent which one of us is a follower of Texas Tech. Right? You'd be like, she is and you aren't. Why? Because I aren't following them. Okay, that wasn't in my notes either. God wants Moses to know who he is and he wants to communicate with Moses <coughs> regarding this in three ways. First, he gives, he gives Moses a promise. Look at the end of verse 12. You will serve God on this mountain and God is literally in a burning bush revealing himself to Moses. Right, this, this conversation is happening between Moses and a bush that's on fire, this, this is really strange. This is not normal occurrence for Moses. This isn't normal occurrence ever. There's a bush that's on fire. Moses goes over to check it out. A voice comes out from the bush that isn't being burned by the fire. it's just on fire. A voice comes out that's. That's also strange, not a normal occurrence. Take your shoes off, you're on holy ground. So here Moses is terrified by what he's experiencing. And now God says to him, I'm putting this call on your life. And out of this voice coming from the bush is the very God of the universe communicating with Moses. And he's telling him, you're going to lead the people of Israel. And in fact, I'm making you this promise, you're going to come right back here. This mountain and jump ahead to Exodus chapter 20 in your brains where God gives the Ten Commandments to the children of Israel. Where does he do that? Right here. God's going to fulfill this promise and bring Moses and the children of Israel right back here. He gives Moses a promise, but then, but then the, 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 the mountain of the mountain is when God, wa- God wants Moses to know who he is. He gives him a promise, and then he gives him a name. And we're going to spend a few minutes here in verse 14. Verse 14. God says to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, say this to the people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. Moses says, who am I? God says, I am who I am. The the quick, short answer to Moses' question, who am I? I am who I am is actually the answer to Moses' question, who am I? Moses, you wanna know who you are? You know that by knowing who God is. Now listen, here's what's so cool. Everyone's asking that question. Everyone's asking that question. All of you are asking that question. Everyone you know is asking that question, who am I? And their answer, your answer, our answer to that question, who am I, who is Jeremy McMorris, is not found by Jeremy McMorris looking inward. It's not found by Jeremy McMorris Googling what is humanity. It is found by looking to see who God is. God gives him a name. And in our English Bibles, um, if you look in in your Bible, in verse 15, Um, many of your Bibles, probably all of them, it says this. God also said to Moses, say this to the people of Israel, the Lord. That word Lord, look, I mean, literally with your eyes, look at it in, in your Bible. Is that is that word written in all caps but smaller caps? You know what I'm saying? Like capital letters, but they're smaller capital letters? That's on purpose. That that's our English way of identifying this is the name of Yahweh. Sometimes it's been translated Jehovah. Just real quickly, I'll explain to you why some would use the word Jehovah and some would use the word Yahweh. One commentator writes this. The, the Jewish, uh, uh, the, the, the holy Jews later, were, uh, they were skeptical. They were reluctant to pronounce God's name lest they accidentally take the name of the Lord in vain. Right, so they were, they were so careful with the name of God that they didn't ever want to even accidentally take the name of, the, of, of God in vain. And so they took the name of God, Yahweh, and they had removed the, concept, uh, the vowel sounds, and then they took the word Adonai, and they took the vowel sounds from Adonai, and put them into the, bow, the consonants of Yahweh, and it comes up with kind of a ye- uh, ye- Yehovah, or, or Jehovah is how we would translate it. You'd be like, who cares? The point was, they didn't want to say the name of God. And I'm going to make a point here in just a moment. We are not only free to say the name of God, we should say the name of God. Um, and and we'll, we'll talk about taking the name of the Lord in vain when we get into Exodus chapter 20, but... But God is actually telling Moses, say my name to the people and they're to remember me by this name for all of the next for, for all of their generation. So, yes, the name of God is to be held high and to be held holy. But we don't have to be afraid or scared to say the name of God. God was told to say or Moses was told to say the name Yahweh, to tell them this is my name so that they know my name. And the, the Hebrew divine name Yahweh has been translated in a lot of different ways, but it's this idea. And in your Bible, it says, I am who I am. Or maybe I will be who I will be. It's the idea, one, one, uh, one, comment, uh, one theologian says, it's the isness of God. God is. God is communicating, and I'm going to unpack. I am here in just a moment, but God's communicating i am, I am absolute I was I am, I will be I'm active I'm supreme, I am everything there's there's no one else that can claim this absolute I am this isness of God. I have a little video that I want us to look at here real quick I think jay's got um queued up for us um that's going to help unpack and explain um and just like three or four minutes, um, the idea of the name of God, Yahweh, or the, the name of the Lord. This is a Bible project video. You guys know I, I love these videos. Um, they are nine times out of ten extremely helpful and clear. Uh, so let's watch this together. I think this will be helpful on understanding the name For of the Lord. For thousands of
1: years, every morning and evening, Jewish people have prayed these well-known words as a way of expressing their devotion to God. They're called the Shema. Hear, O Israel. The Lord is our God, the Lord is one. And as for you, you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your strength. We're going to look at the second key word here, Lord, written in all capital letters. This is the personal name of Israel's God. We first learn the meaning of this name in the story of Moses and the burning bush in the book of Exodus chapter 3. God appears to Moses and he commissions him to liberate the Israelites from slavery. And so Moses wonders, what if people ask the name of the God who has sent me? And so God responds, tell them, "Eh Ehyeh has sent me to you. Now, that Hebrew word, "Eh Ehyeh, means I will be. In other words, God's name means that he is the one who is and who will be. God's existence doesn't depend on anyone or anything else. This God simply is. But... It will sound kind of strange for Moses to go say to the Israelites, I will be, has sent me to you. Only God can say, I will be. So in the next sentence, God tells Moses the version he should say aloud Yahweh, the God of our ancestors, he has sent me to you. Now, that word Yahweh is the ancient Hebrew form of the verb he will be. And this is the personal name of the God of Israel. It appears over 6,500 times in the Now, here's what's interesting. Over the centuries, Israelites wanted to honor the sacred nature of this divine name. So as they read the Hebrew Bible aloud and they came to this name, they stopped saying Yahweh, and instead started saying the Hebrew word for Lord, which is Adonai. Now this practice has been continued throughout the centuries. And so later, when people started translating the Bible into English, they adopted the same practice. Instead of spelling out the divine name, they translated it as Lord, spelled in all capital letters. Okay, you got that? Good, because there's more. Ancient Jewish scribes wanted to prevent anyone from even accidentally saying this name aloud when you read the Hebrew Bible. And so they came up with a visual device to remind you to make sure you say Adonai. They took the four consonant letters of the divine name. These letters correspond to our English letters, YHWH. Then they inserted the three vowels from the word Adonai and combined these together to create an artificial hybrid word, which if you pronounced it, it would say Yahuwah, but no Israelite ever said Yahuwah. It's simply a visual reminder to say the word Adonai. Now, it gets more interesting. Much later, Christian scribes came along who didn't know that Yahuwah was an artificial word. And so they began to say it aloud and spell it in their writings. This is the word that eventually entered into English as Jehovah. It's a word many people still use today. But the main thing is, the word Lord in all capital letters is an indication of the divine name. Don't confuse it with the word Lord in your English translations that's not in all capital letters. That is the actual Hebrew word Adon, which just means Lord or Master. This word can refer to people like kings or the master of a servant, even a shepherd over his sheep. And sometimes biblical authors will use this word to refer to God, like in the phrases, the Lord of all the earth, or the Lord of Lords. But behind all of these words, Yehovah, Lord, Adonai, stands the original divine name of the God of Israel. It refers to the one who was, who is, and who forever will be.
0: Okay, clear as mud. <laughs> you might be like, Man, that, this is way more complicated than I realized. It's actually even more complicated than that. We're not going to dive into the weeds even deeper. The point here is this: God's not giving, uh, God's not giving a name simply so that we have a a word to identify Him by, right? So when when we when we meet someone and meet, meet them um, and they give us their name we aren't usually thinking oh wow i just met levi he told me his name was levi wow levi i mean that communicates so much to me about him it's that's not that's not how it works now the coolest is dustin in here he might be upstairs okay how many of you know Dustin's middle name? Dustin Peterson. You know his middle name? What's his middle name? Manly. Dude, that's awesome. His his dad's name is Manly, and I think maybe his dad's name is Dustin. Is that's right? Zeke is a uh, Zeke Zeke Manly as well. Like now, there's a name that is intended to communicate something to the people who find out that that's your name, right? That's a confident dad who names their son Manly. A name like that actually does communicate something, or maybe even a father's wish for their child. You know, they're communicating something like that. There are a handful of names that when you learn that person's name, um, many of you remember Bert Pretorius, his given name is Hercules. It's another name where it's just like, yes, I I like, you know, it's communicating something about this person, When God gives the name Yahweh, when he says, tell them I am has sent you, he, on purpose, is doing that sort of thing. It's not just, here's my name, here's something so when you pray you have a word that you can use to identify me. He's saying, I want you to know things about me in this word. This word is communicating that I am. And there's a lot that we need to know from this name. There are a lot of things that we can, that we can um, derive, that we can uh, that learn from this name. First of all, not only is, is God is, I am, but he was. God is the uncreated creator. Do you realize that for infinity prior to the creation of the world, God was? So there's this tiny, tiniest of specks of nothingness called the universe. And if you zoom in on that, you zoom in on that speck of almost nothingness, you will find a galaxy called the Milky Way galaxy. And within that even tinier speck is a tinier speck called our solar system. And then you zoom in on that tiniest of almost nothing specks to find our planet and then to find Dalhart and then to find Liberty Baptist and then to find you and me and outside of all of that, for all of eternity, for all of infinity, was God. He is. And he was just as happy, and just as fulfilled, and just as God, as he is now or ever will be. He's God. And if your brain is going, I don't understand that, it's okay, because you aren't God. And part of your being human is an absolute inability to fully comprehend what is infinitely, or, or, or is infinitude, right? So finiteness, I mean you, we can't comprehend infinity. And so God always was. He is the uncreated creator. When your kids ask, where did God come from? You rightfully say, well, God had no creator. God has always been. I'm sure there's a kid's own verse about that somewhere, right? He's the uncaused cause. He has always been. He's always been holy. He's always been omnipotent. He's always been omniscient. He's always been love. God has always been. And he is. He is today. He is sovereign. He's omnipotent. He's omniscient. He's omnipresent. You're like, what do those words mean? Omnipotent means he's all-powerful. There is absolutely no limit to what God, God is never, threat, there's, we are almost constantly thinking through the, the, the amount of resource we have. How much, do I have enough money to do that? Do I have enough energy to do that? Do I have enough time to do that, right? You might think I'm a millionaire and I have energy, but I'm not going to live forever. So like God, God isn't, there are no barriers. The barriers that threaten us so easily, God is completely unthreatened by He's omniscient. What does omniscient mean? It means he knows absolutely everything. Everything. Everything in your life and in my life and in the eight billion other people on the planet. And, and he knows what's going on on the dark side of Jupiter at this moment. The molecules that are there, he's in complete control of them. And again, your brain goes, yeah, but why does he have to be in that much control? How can he be in that much control? And again, let me just comfort you and remind you, the reason why it's okay for you not to understand that and for you to feel like, oh, that's too much, ah, is because you aren't God, and he is. It's part of what makes him God. Not only was he and is he, but he will be. He is eternal. He doesn't slow down, we slow down. He doesn't fade, we fade. He doesn't run out of resources, He will always be so just as full of all potency and ability and resources as He was in eternity past. He will be for eternity in the future. He doesn't change. You and I change constantly. Moment by moment, we're changing now. We change. He isn't threatened at all by world events. Do you know that? What was it? Was it um, was it Friday night the FedEx shooting? When was the FedEx shooting? Friday night, a bunch of more people got killed. Some of you, are, like we're yeah, we're so used to seeing mass shootings that I woke up, I read it, I was unnerved by that one. I just think, man, like, what is going on here? What's the deal? Why does this keep happening? D- did you know that the I am w- is in no way threatened by that? He's not worried about, he's concerned, he loves, he is bringing, he has sent his son and will bring perfect shalom in the future. But he's not threatened by world events or by calamity, by tornadoes or cancer or nuclear bombs or refugee camps or mass shootings. 10 years or 10,000 years or 10 million years ago or from now, he will be. So he was and he is and he will be, and he is active. Not only is he is, but he is also active. He's sovereign. I love the quotation that there's not a molecule, there's not a speck of dust that floats through the air, except God has charted its course. Imagine the, the amount of administrative capacity you would have to have to do that, Some of you manage businesses, and you know, on this week, I have to do this, and I have to have the tractor here, and I have to have my hands here, and I have to have ordered seed, and I have to, right? And you get on that day, and you're like, man, I remembered everything, but I forgot to put fuel in the tractor. right. And you have to, you start half an hour late that morning because you didn't have that thing. Right now, a lot of you are very capable and competent administrators and you're like, yeah, I wouldn't have forgotten that. Okay. But you, you get the idea, right? But you're not charting the spec. You're not giving every, every head of cattle on the feedlot. You're not administrating their heart beating constantly. Like, and again, we start to shut down under that kind of. Oh my goodness, I, that's too, I don't like thinking about it because it stresses me out. Yeah, but it, he's God. He's not even. He's not even close. And so, so friends, if he's if he is um, if he's that active on the microscopic level, brothers and sisters, don't you know that he knows you? He knows what's going on in your life. He is sovereignly orchestrating all things for his glory and your good, even your 40 years on the backside of the desert where you feel like I blew it and I'm done. I don't know what exactly God's doing with me, but I don't like taking care of my father-in-law's sheep. This is not what I envisioned my life being about. Who am I? Who am I to be used of God? I mean, look what my life has been. I blew it when I was a young man and now I've been a shepherd for 40 years. God is active, and he is ultimate. He is ultimate. He is supreme. He is in first place. He's the firstborn. He's the first to be raised from the dead. He is in number one position. There's no one else in a category at all like him. Remember this. You aren't just a poor version of God. It's not like, uh, I'd be pretty much like God, except I did the sin, you know, Adam and Eve sinned, or like I sinned. And otherwise, like if it wasn't for the sin thing, I'd pretty much be like God, right? We don't have a Mormon orientation understanding of, of, what, of what God is and what God is like. God is in a category completely other than everything else. There, there are two categories in the universe, Two categories God and everything else, the creator and the created. Those are the two categories. So it's not like, well, you know, um, I'd, I'd be like God if it wasn't for a couple of little things that I know. Nothing. He's in a category all his own. And there need be no doubt, brothers and sisters, that he wants us to know this about him. He has given us this name so that we will know him, and so that when we begin to ask the question, who am I, the answer is, look to God to see who he is. So when you're fearful, when you're worried, when you wonder, when you're counseling someone, listen, our world says things like this, hey, believe in yourself. That's, that's adding more bad news to bad news believe in yourself gets you nowhere. Now, I realize this is confronting what a lot of people think and even a lot of the counsel that you might self-talk and give to other people. But let me just tell you why that's bad news. Because deep down at the very bottom, you actually know that you don't have the resources. You don't have the capacity. And that's why you're wondering, oh, man, I'm not so sure I can do this. I, I'm nervous about this. I'm afraid of this. I, I, you know, whatever. And then when someone comes along and says, believe in yourself, and you're like, oh, yeah, okay. Well, actually, hold on a second, because that was, I was already struggling with that. And now that I look, if I look inward more, there's, there's a, no, that doesn't actually apply, so never mind. Um, Brothers and sisters, what God would have us do when we fear, when we worry, when we doubt, when we wonder if we have the resources, when we have low self-esteem, whatever the thing is, is to not believe in ourselves, not to follow our hearts, not to trust in ourselves. That's all bad counsel and bad news. What we're to do is to look to the I am. What God wants you to know about you is that he is. That's the answer that you need. Not believe in yourself, but believe in him. So when you're counseling your child and they're afraid to go to school for whatever reason, their friends don't like them, they have a quiz coming up, they don't want to do the the sport that they want, that sort of thing, you don't tell them, hey, you can do it, believe in yourself. The counsel is God has called you to do it. Faithful is he who has called you, who also will do it. The counsel is to look to God. I am. God wants us to know who we are. God tells us who we are as he tells us who he is. And he communicates this to Moses through a promise and through a name and through the reminder of a relationship in verse 15. God said to Moses, say this to the people of Israel, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. This this God is saying, I have chosen you. I'm a God who has relationship with you. Not only do I I want you to know who I am, and I want you to know that I've come for you, God is the one who approached Abraham. God is the one who is here approaching Moses. He's a God of relationship. He's a God of relationship here. And brothers and sisters, he's still a God of relationship with us today. And I want you to remember me by this name forever. Now, this is a this is a really important the end of verse fifteen is a really important transition for us, okay? This is my name forever, and thus I am to be remembered throughout all generations. How long is all generations? forever. Are we part of that? Are we part of this? all? Okay, okay, this is important. Take your Bibles, everybody, turn to John chapter 8. We're leaving what we call the Old Testament, and we're moving to what we call the New Testament. I mean, we call it that because that's what they are. But I think sometimes we think, "Ah, who cares about the old, just give me the new. Verse 8 of John chapter 8, Jesus says to them, those knows that he's interacting with here, truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, what are the next two words? He doesn't say before Abraham was, I was. He's not just saying something about like I've been around for a long time. Jesus is saying something incredibly profound. Jesus is saying, I am. And the people that were listening here, the scribes and Pharisees, the Israelites that would have heard him say these words, they would not have missed what Jesus was doing. They would not have been confused as to what Jesus was saying. They wouldn't have thought, huh, it kind of sounds like he's saying that he's Yahweh, they would have immediately realized, whoa, whoa, hold on a second, that guy is taking the name of the Lord and he's doing it in vain. What Jesus is doing is not okay. No man can say, I am God. No man can say, I am that I am. That that is not okay. And you you know, how I know that that was their response? How do I know for certain that that was their response? Look in verse verse 59. (laughs) Read it. They picked up stones to throw at him, but Jesus himself, but Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple. Brothers and sisters, there is one God in three persons, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And God sends his son, Jesus Christ, to live the life that we failed to live and die the death that we deserve to die. And here this God, man, Jesus Christ comes into the earth and he is saying to the people of his day, the name that Yahweh gave back in Exodus chapter 3, verse 14, when God revealed himself as I am, I'm here to tell you today, I am. That's who I am. I am that God. And that's why people either bowed and confessed that he was their Lord or they hung him up on a cross. And crucified him. So today, this brings us to point number three. Sorry, Jay, I'm in point number three now. Jesus wants us to know who He is. Jesus wants us to know that He is this God, that He is the eternal God from eternity past, present, and future. He is. He. Uh, he was. He is. He will be. He's active. He is preeminent. Jesus is taking upon himself, he is saying, I am the God. He is God. He is fully God and he is fully man. This is why his life and his death satisfy the just demands of the law. And so, friends, that's why every single human, as they are answering the question, Who am I?, they have to come face to face with who Jesus is. And you either bow your knee and confess, He is who He says He is, He is the God of the universe. And I'm going to bow my, my knee to him. I'm going to take the crown of sin off my head. I'm, I'm going to take the crown off my head and I'm going to give it back to him. He is the Lord, the Yahweh, both all caps and lower caps. He's the Lord. I am not. I turn from my sinfulness and I put my faith in him as my Savior. You either do that and follow him or you say, nah, I'm not going to follow you. In fact... You are a blasphemer. You're not the God. And friends, every single person as they answer the question, who am I, have to answer that question. And that's what's going to inform who you are. You are either a child of God or you are outside of God's family. I mean, that's, that's who you and I are. This is how we answer the question, who am I? Moses gets this answer. God says, I am who I, who I am. And we're going to see here, that Moses submits himself to God. We're gonna this next week. We're gonna talk even a little bit more about this idea of where do I put my trust? Do I, you know, do I trust, you know, um, uh, do I trust in me, um, or do I do I trust in God? We're gonna look at that even more uh, next week. But brothers and sisters, this morning, as you seek to answer the question, "Who am I?" Have you put your faith and your trust in Jesus Christ, who is I am, who I am? He is fully God. And he is fully man. And and this is where we learn, back to the main point, God tells us who we are when he tells us who he is. That's where we find out who we are. When we look to God and see him for who he is. If you've never bowed your knee and put your faith in Jesus Christ as the great I am, the one who was, is, and will be, And and when when you do that, He changes you. You do become a follower of Him. Friend, if you've never done that, then let me call upon you today to turn from your sin and trust in Christ as your Savior and to follow Him, to quit being your own God. You are not God. And if you don't bow the knee to the one who is God, what you are by default saying is, no, I, I am. I am God, but you're not. You're not God. There's one God, uh, and he has revealed himself to us in his son, Jesus Christ. And so I trust that you have bowed your knee to him. I ask you to bow your head and close your eyes, and i ask the music team to come back up. And in fact, Josh, I'm going to tell you this earlier, but let's, I'd like for us to sing that same song, the, um, uh, the last one we just sang, uh, Behold Our God. We're going to end this morning with that, the song that we sang just a few moments ago, Behold Our God. And as the music team comes, we're going to close our service with a song but if you're here this morning and you don't know the great I am, you've never put faith in Jesus Christ as your Savior, man, you can do it right there seated in your, uh, in your chair. If you'd like to talk with me or someone else about this afterwards, I invite you to come and visit with me or someone about that. Many in here do know Christ as their Savior. I want to remind you that God is. And as you as you wonder, oh, who am I? Who am I to take upon myself this responsibility, this work, this role, parenting, um, this job, uh, this lack of resources, that sort of thing? Don't believe in yourself. That will get you nowhere. Believe in God. Believe in God. Father, as we begin to conclude our time together this morning, I pray that we would see you for who you are. That we would behold the one true and living God. And we pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Let's stand and sing together, Behold Our God. Who has held the
1: oceans in His hands? Who has numbered every grain of sand? Kings and nations tremble at his voice. All creation rises to rejoice.